the book of Mark chapter number 14, beginning with verse number 3. Mark 14, verse number 3. And, in being, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman coming having an alabaster box of costly oil. She broke the flask and poured it upon his head. There were some there that was indignant and upset and said, Why was this oil wasted? For it might have been sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor, for they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said unto them, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? For what she has done is a good thing. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do good to them. But me, you do not always have. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Surely I say it to you that wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. For a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, a senseless act. A senseless act. Would you say that with me? A senseless act. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for your blessings that you have poured out upon this church. The blessings that we see and the things that we do not see. We come to you to the bread of life. We're asking you that as this bread is brought forth that we would receive it. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We pray that we would hear your voice today. We pray that your word would go forth to the soil of our hearts. That we would receive it, not only be faithful, but we would be fruitful as well. I pray, Lord, for those who are gathered here. I pray, Father, that most of all that they would know your Son. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone shouted a great big Amen. You know, there is lots of scriptures and in the Bible that intrigues me. As I, as I study the Word of God and as I uh, make a daily habit of reading the Word of God, there are certain scriptures that come across that really get my attention. And uh, this particular scripture or passage of scripture, or should I say a narrative here, a story, is really intriguing to me. And not only is it intriguing, I find it quite interesting to me. Because Jesus made a profound statement that I'm not sure that we are aware of the implications of what Jesus is actually saying here. I want you to pay attention to this verse that Jesus says about this woman in Mark chapter number 14. Look at verse number 9. Mark 14 verse 9. I want you to look at this particular statement that Jesus makes about this woman who came in and took an alabaster box, broke it, poured it on his head. Uh, another story, and John says she poured it on his feet, and, and she began to anoint his body. And Jesus praises this woman for this senseless act that she uh, participated in. Now, look at this verse number 9. Surely I say to you that wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be a memorial to her. In other words, Jesus is praising this woman for this senseless act that she participated in. This, this senseless act of wasting oil 
Jesus actually shut up the critics and praised the woman. And not only did He praise the woman, Jesus went further to say that this woman will be remembered throughout the whole world. This woman will be remembered throughout the whole world. Jesus said that wherever the gospel is preached, this woman is going to be remembered. Now I have scratched my head and I've thought to myself, what is so significant about this woman that we should remember her? I mean, if Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the God that we worship, if He made a statement that this woman should be remembered, and He made the statement that wherever the gospel is preached, not only in America, but the whole world, that we should remember this woman, how many would agree with the pastor this morning, we probably need to take a second look? Come on, can I see you raise your hands? We should take a second look. He said that wherever the gospel is preached, this woman will be remembered. And I believe that it would uh, be uh, imperative for us this morning to take a second look at this woman and understand the significance of why Jesus would make a statement like this. I mean, if you read in the Bible, you could quickly come to the conclusion that why didn't Jesus say, remember my mother? I mean, if there's any woman that should have been remembered, it probably should be Mary, the Virgin Mary. I mean, her act of devotion, her act of submission is enough to be remembered. But Jesus pinpoints this woman that we should remember and that her story should be preached around the world. Her story should be preached around the world. You know, in, in Bible days, women did not have a high view. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but that's just, that's just the view of women in the Bible. It wasn't really on the same social ladder as men. They didn't have the same respect as men. And so here is this woman coming into a house. Now the scripture, I want you to stay with me because I want to bring out a few things here that I am sure is applicable to your life. If you look at the scripture, the Bible says in verse number 3, Mark 4, 3, that they were in Bethany at Simon the leper's house, okay? And a woman comes in. So here is a house and it's Simon the leper. Most people believe that Simon the leper it was probably one of the ten lepers that was healed, and he is the one that came back to give thanks to the Lord. You remember the story of the lepers, and only one of them came back to give thanks, and Jesus said, where is the nine? Most theologians would agree that it's probably Simon the leper. And so what Simon the leper does, not only does he verbally tell the Lord, thank you for healing me of leprosy, but Simon says, I'm going to invite you to my house. Let's just come to my house. So you have here in Bethany, Simon the leper, and you have this woman coming in to Jesus. Now, you do know that the same story is recorded elsewhere. Am I right about it? The same story is recorded in multiple places in the Bible. And so what you got to do when you read the Bible, you got to kind of piece it together. Because Mark is telling his version of the story, and John is telling his version of the story. If you go to John chapter 12, I just want you to briefly look at it. 
John chapter number 12. And I want you to see what begins to happen in verse number 1. John 12 verse 1. You'll see the same story. John 12 verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to where? Everybody shout Bethany. Where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would later betray him, said, Why was this oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take that which was put therein. But Jesus said, let her alone, for she has kept this day for my burial. For the poor you have with me, you have with you always, but I'm not always with you. So you have, get this, two stories telling the same story, but with different details. So if we piece the story together, it is a house in Bethany with Simon the leper. How many remember Simon the leper? He's healed from leprosy. He's there. And not only is Simon the leper there, but there is also Lazarus. And you remember the story of Lazarus. He was dead for four days and he was what? Resurrected. So you have Simon the leper. He was healed of leprosy. You have Lazarus who was dead but now is alive. You have Mary and Martha, and there was probably other guests there, such as Judas and the other disciples. They were all there. So they're all there eating together. And I can just imagine them all sitting around the table. I mean, they're eating their mashed potatoes and fried chicken, and, and they're eating their apple dumplings. You all know what I'm talking about. Collard greens, and you can just make the list. They're sitting around there having a wonderful time, and I'm sure, you know, they're human, so I'm sure Peter, you know, he burps at the table, and they're all laughing, and, you know, and, and you know, the disciples are giving each other a high five, and they're just having a great time. And sometimes we super spiritualize the scripture and we forget they're human. And they're all sitting there having a good time. They're eating. They're laughing. The atmosphere is filled with laughter. Because Simon the leper, he, he had leprosy. But he was there to give thanks to the Lord at his house. To give thanks to God that he was sick, but now he's healed. And Lazarus was dead, but now he is alive. There is a group of people, there's at least two men there that had a thankful heart for what God has done. And Mary and Martha said, why don't I just, Martha said, why don't I just cook you all a meal? Why don't we invite Jesus over, invite Simon over? Let's just invite Lazarus is with it. Let's just have a good time here. Let's celebrate what God has done. And in the midst of celebration, somebody had an attitude of sacrifice. I'm convinced that if we're not careful, that Christianity turns into a celebration instead of an act of sacrifice. It's okay to celebrate, and it's okay to laugh, and it's okay to have a great time. I love those moments. I love those church services. I love to focus on those things. But this story demonstrates to us that in the midst of celebration, somebody understood a principle, and that is this. I can do more. I can sacrifice. 
Sometimes sacrifice is senseless. Sometimes sacrifice don't make sense. Sometimes your head and your heart is saying two different things. I mean, if this woman was smart, and she was, if she would have listened to counsel, they would have told her, don't go in there uninvited because it's not your party. You're a woman, so you should not be the center of attention. And number three, you should never let down your hair for another man. If she would have listened to the counsel of people, she would have never interrupted the dinner and made a sacrifice of gratitude to our Lord. This woman, what she did was a social disgrace. What she did was not accepted. What, this, what she did was not accepted in the social status and hierarchy of people. How can a woman run into a room uninvited, make herself the center of intention, let down her hair? It's no wonder Judas said you could sell that oil for 300 pieces of, uh, of denarii and give to the poor. Mark chapter 12 says the whole company rebuked her sharply. They were upset. So you have all these people upset with her. Judas upset because you could have sold it and give it to the poor. And all the other disciples upset because what she did was a social disgrace in their eyes. She runs in there and she takes a bottle of oil and she breaks the flask and she begins to pour. Mark says she poured it on his head. John says that she poured it on his feet. Who's right? They're both right. That oil on his head, I'm sure, flowed down through his body to his feet. She broke the flask and she began to worship the master. And she used her hair as a towel and began to wipe his feet. You see, I am convinced that this scripture holds so much truth because Jesus was very clear about something about this woman in Mark chapter 14 and verse number 6. Look at it. Mark 14 verse 6 and I quote, Jesus says to them all in the company of the house, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. Verse 7, for you have the poor with you always. Whenever you wish, you can do good to them, but you don't always have me. Verse 8, she has done what she could. She has done what she could. I want you to think about that phrase this morning. She did what she could. And when she did what she could, the Lord said, your story is going to be remembered throughout the world. Hold on, folks. Does that mean that when I do what I can, God accepts it? Yes. Because sometimes we have the wrong idea that it's impossible to please God. Sometimes we live in this mystic Christianity that we can never please God. And we have this, this wrong conception that none of us 
can please God. And the only person that may could please God is the man of the cloth. How ridiculous is that theology and that mindset? You know that we approach God by faith, for without faith, you can't please God. But I promise you, you can please God by your very action. And she pleased God because of what she could do. Let me say that again. She pleased God because of what she could do. That stands to reason that if she's pleasing God in what she could do, she did all she could do. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you doing all you can do for God? Are you really doing all you can do for God? I, I've pastored for 14 years and I hear all kinds of statements. This statement is not directed to you. This is a general blanket statement. People make statements as, I wish I could do more for God. I wish I could do this for God. Let me ask you a question. What is stopping you from doing more for God? What is the mindset? What is the barrier that is stopping you from doing all you can for God? You see, the Holy Spirit this morning is pricking your heart. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning because He desires you to do more than what you've been doing. You can do more for God. The reason that you can do more for God is because God has given you the ability to do more for God. How easy is it for us to limit ourselves? We, we, we let our issues define our confidence. We let our, we let our conflict interrupt the confidence that we have to approach His throne boldly. You see, you have to have a proper understanding of who you are in Christ. You see, He doesn't judge you based upon what you have done. When He looks at you, He sees the sacrifice that He did over 2,000 years ago. And the greatest story ever known to man is that He came and stretched His arms out on an old Roman cross and said to the world, this is how much I love you. And He still believes in us in spite of our faults and failures. You've got to view yourself as a child of God. You've got to view yourself as a blood-bought, born-again child of God. You've got to view yourself as a child of God in covenant with your father. And if you are really in covenant with your father, a father rebukes the child. He corrects the child. He doesn't always praise the child. He lovingly corrects the child to save the child. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this story tells us that she did all she could. And I can't help but to think to ourselves, are we doing all we can for God? I mean, seriously. I know some of us think we're doing all we can, but are you really doing all you can? What limits have you put on yourself? What mindset, what barriers have you created that keeps you in a box where you don't go forward? in your call and your purpose that God has destined you. You see, Jesus said, let her alone because she's doing what she can. She did what she can. You can please God this morning. She pleased God because she did what she can. And her can was a sacrifice. 
She did all she can, but it was a sacrifice. Why was it a sacrifice? Because she had to press through the crowd, or should I say, the mindset of the people, because they didn't have a high view of women. What she did was a social disgrace. So she really had to, she really had to prepare herself for this. I mean, it's just not like she woke up one morning and said, listen, I'm just going to barge into a house and take some oil and pour it over this man called Jesus. She really had to prep herself. She really had to think about it. She really had to have the strength to do it because she knew that what she was getting ready to do was not going to be accepted by the majority of the people. And what she was getting ready to do was really a senseless act. What she was getting ready to do would not be accepted and I want to let you know that when you do all you can for God, when you really sacrifice for the kingdom, it's not going to be accepted by everyone. And everybody is not going to praise you for what you have done. Everybody might even think it's a senseless act. You're too radical. Why are you doing it that way? But ladies and gentlemen, the reason that she came and offered a sacrifice is because she understood what it meant to have a generous and grateful heart. How can we sit in a church Sunday after Sunday and we not give and we not honor God with our life and honor God with our finances and honor God with our relationships? How can we sit so pious with our arms folded as if we dare not give God what we can give Him? Let's not have the victim mentality, church. And think that you're doing so much for Jesus that it's so hard for us to attend church a couple times a week. Let's not play that game. Let's not play the game that we're sacrificing so much that it's a burden to come a couple times a week to church and it's a burden to give and it's a, it's a burden to do this. Let's, let's not play that. Because you and I know that more Christians were killed last year than in recent history. Remember reading a story about how ISIS ran into an Orthodox church on Palm Sunday last year. There was a couple hundred worshipers waving palm branches. ISIS came in in the middle of the liturgy and slaughtered all 300 of those worshipers, almost all of them and took the pastor by the hand and took a rope and wrapped his arms around the rope and drug him through the city. Let's not act like that what we are doing for Jesus is all we can do. Do y'all still love me this morning? I know this is hard, but how many knows it's good? How many still loves me as your pastor? How many feels my heartbeat this morning? She did what she could. Are you doing what you, you can? She understood that what I'm doing for you, I can do it. She understood that I can do this. I can make myself a spectacle. I can, I can really face embarrassment. I really, really can't. I gotta prepare myself. I gotta think through it. I gotta prepare my spirit for it. But I really can do this. It was a sacrifice, but she can do it. Let not the enemy tell you that you can't do it. Let not the enemy tell you that you're giving too much and contributing too much. 
When you're called, when He saved you and called you, He didn't give you a shopping cart to come to church. He gave you a shovel to work. See, she did all she could. Now, the question is, why would she do it? Why would she do it? It's simple. You piece the stories together. And John chapter 12, it tells us that her brother Lazarus was there. You see, Mary and Martha was the two women that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you would have been there, my brother would have not died. And what did Jesus say to these two women? Don't worry about it. For I am the resurrection and I am the life. He that was dead shall live again. Jesus, the Bible says in the book of John chapter 11, went up to a tomb where a dead man had been laying for four days and Jesus called their brother out of the grave. Can somebody say amen? And do you know what Mary began to think and Martha began to think? I love Jesus so much. I'm grateful for what He has done. I want to invite Him to my house and I want to have a supper for Him. I want to cook for Him. I want to tell Him how much we love Him. And that's what Martha was doing. Let's not criticize Martha. She's in the kitchen cooking. They're all in there laughing, having a good time. And here is Mary coming in there as a center of attention. Some people think it's a different Mary. Some people think it's the same Mary. But I believe if you piece the story together, it possibly could be the very same Mary here. Some think that she was a prostitute, but the Bible doesn't say she was a prostitute. She says that Mary is there. I think it's the same Mary that's connected to Lazarus. She takes the oil and breaks it in front of everyone. You see, I wanna, want you to make sure you understand something. You can do something for him or you can do something to him. Martha was cooking in the kitchen doing something for the master. Mary did something to him. A lot of our worship nowadays is for him. I go to church for him. I give for him. I do this for his church. That's all good and fine. But there is a sharp difference between doing something for and doing something directly to. She did something directly to him. Poured the oil on his body. I'm not cooking something for you. I'm not doing something. I'm doing something directly to you that affects you personally. Why did she break the alabaster box and the flask? Because she was grateful for what the Lord had done for her brother Lazarus. It's interesting that Lazarus wasn't breaking the alabaster box. Why didn't Lazarus get up and break the box and says, Master, thank you for raising me from the dead. What about Simon Peter? 
Why didn't he get up and break the box and say, Lord, I'm thankful that you healed me of my leprosy. You see, it's, it's very easy for us to recline in the recliner of complacency and at the table. But it takes a real dedicated, persevering person who knows how to sacrifice and do all they can. I believe Lazarus could have done something. I know it was custom for men to sit at the table while the women cooked. It was custom. I know they were having a good time at the table. I know they were having great fellowship. But let us not substitute celebration for the act of sacrifice. She did all she could. She did all she could. You see, the reason she did all she could is because the Lord only asks you to do something because He knows you can do it. The Lord only demands only what He has given you in the first place. The reason that she could do it because she had the ability to do it. Now, where did she get the alabaster box? I have no idea. I've done research and nobody really knows where she got it from. But it is a year's worth of wage. And the oil was probably only that big. There wasn't a lot of oil. But that was enough for a year's wage. She could have sold it. And you know what she could have done? She could have said, Sister Regina, she said, you know what I'm going to do? She could have went to the Lord and said, I really need to save some next month because I need to pay my bills. So I'm going to save a little bit of oil so I can sell it. So I'm just going to pour just a little bit on the Lord. This is water, folks. It'll dry. She could have got a spoon out. She could have said, Lord, I'm going to give you a little bit of this because i got to save the rest because I really need the rest of it because uh, my husband left me and I don't have no one to support me, so i got to make sure I have at least enough oil here so I can sell, so I can pay my bills. Isn't that how the American church is? We don't really want to sacrifice. We want to keep some because we want to stay in our box of being comfortable and our box of security. We want to try to figure out everything and we want to keep some back because you never know what happens on a rainy day. Oh, no, not this woman. This woman didn't come in with a preconceived idea that I got to save some for a rainy day. She didn't come in with a preconceived idea that I'm going to measure some out because, Lord, you're really not worth all of the oil. You're just worth some of the oil. She came in with a sacrifice, an attitude, a mindset that I can do what I can. I got enough oil here to anoint your whole body. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know you hold tomorrow and you will take care of me. I'm going to give my all to you. Oh, go ahead and hoard it up. Go ahead and hoard your money up. Go ahead and hoard your houses up. Go ahead and hoard, go ahead and hoard it all up. And Jesus said in the parable, he called him a fool. Hoard it up, put it in the barns, hoard it up. Keep it to yourself. Jesus said to the man in the parable tonight, your soul is going to be required of you, you fool. Because you hoarded it up in the barns. The reason God blessed you 
is so that you can be a channel of blessing to other people. The reason that God has given you a job and the ability to work and the reason He's given you an income is not to hoard it up. You can't take it with you. I love generous people. I do. Y'all think I'm talking about money. I ain't talking about money. That's a part of it. Generous people. I just love generous people. Generous people hold the door open for women. Generous people, you know, they, there's just something about them that they smile and, and they leave a tip at the table for the, uh, for the waiter. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Generous people, it just oozes out of them. They just don't give their tithe and offering. Their life is generous. She did what she could. She didn't leave a little bit back. She didn't measure it out. She didn't say, I need some a little bit. And you know what happens? You know why we measure our sacrifice? Because you're thinking with your head and you're not thinking with your heart. Because if you think with your head, she would have thought to herself, I'm not going to go in there. I'm going to stay in the kitchen with Martha. I'll just help Martha cook. I'll stay out of their business. I'm a woman. I don't want to disgrace the men. I'll stay in here. I'm certainly not going to go touch a Jewish man. And he's not even my husband. And I'm not going to let my hair down. I am not going to face humiliation and embarrassment. If she thought with her head, she would have not sacrificed. And some of us, we operate with our heads so much. And you need to, believe me. As Pentecostals, you're not called to check your head out the door. You need to reason. You need to be practical. You need to use wisdom. But I promise you, when you begin to sacrifice, your head will begin to talk out what your heart is saying God is saying to you. Sometimes serving God doesn't line up on paper. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. And that is why you've got to go with faith and not always with what the head says. Can I hear an amen? You've got to go. Sometimes the Spirit will contradict what seems logical at the moment. Sometimes He doesn't. Some of the things in life is really solved by practical wisdom. Can I hear an amen? There are times in your life that he will demand a sacrifice of you and he knows you have it. He knows you can do it. He wouldn't ask you if he knew you couldn't do it. So the Lord is not asking you to do something that you cannot do. He's asking you to do something you can do because he knows you have it. He knows you can do more. He knows you can sacrifice more. It doesn't make sense. It seems senseless. It doesn't calculate on paper. God is saying, sometimes sacrifice is senseless. You know, Jesus said in closing, He said, leave this woman alone because what she did was she anointed my body for what? Y'all know, I know you're a little quiet. I know you're listening. And, and, and I, I want to, you know, every once in a while, I just get really happy, you know? How many of you just gets happy with what you read once in a while? You know, raise your hand. And you know what I discovered? This is what I discovered when I was reading this. I, and you know what? I've read the Bible for years and, you know, did all that. You know, I've taken classes and 
I just never saw this. But then it really made sense to me. The Bible says, no, don't lose me here. The Bible says that she anointed his body for what? Burial. Is that correct? Is that correct? The Bible, look at verse number, uh, let's see. What she, verse number 8, Mark 14, verse 8. Look at it, Mark 14. She did what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Now, when in the Jewish world, when you died, within three days, they usually would anoint your body. Within the three days. Usually, primarily, it happened on the first day. Now, You'll understand, according to Scripture, Jesus is hanging on the cross. Nicodemus comes, and Joseph of Arimathea, both of them come, and begged for the body of Jesus. The Bible says they took his body down off of the cross and wrapped it in linen cloth quickly and put it in a tomb. Why did they do it quickly? Because it was Passover. And they had to get the dead body down off of the cross and put it in the tomb before sunset. They didn't have time to anoint the body. They didn't have time to call all the women. Come on, women, come over here and anoint the body. They didn't have time for that. Jesus died during Passover. They had to get his body down. And that is why Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea was begging for the body because if they did not do that, the Roman centurions would have broke his legs. They didn't want nothing to happen, so they begged for his body. They took his body down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and put it in a tomb, and put a stone in front of it with a Roman seal. They did not have time to anoint his body. But the women had a different perception. Now, I don't know why these women thought they could remove the tomb, but they were so excited or maybe a word is, is they were really ur- they were they had this urgency that they had to anoint his body. And the Bible says in Mark 16, verse number one. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, so the Sabbath is over, right? His body's already in the grave. And the Bible says, Mary, the mother of James, Salome, brought spices that they might what? That they might what? That they might what? They wanted to anoint his body. Now, it's interesting. Look at the story. Verse 2. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Then they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? So here is these women walking along. They have the spices. They knew that Joseph of Arimathea They knew that Nicodemus put his body in the tomb and wrapped it with linen cloth, but they also knew that according to tradition, his body really needed to be anointed with spices. Why spices? Because it preserves the dead body longer. So these women are going to the tomb thinking to themselves, we really need to figure out a way to anoint this man's body. He is a Jewish man And we need to anoint this man's body. And these women were not thinking, according to the narrative, they wasn't given the impression that they were anticipating a risen Savior. 
They wasn't anticipating that an angel would roll away a stone and resurrect a thread, uh, three dead day body. They wasn't anticipating any of that. All their concern was, we got to get to the tomb because we got these spices. We want to anoint his body because it's tradition. And when they got there, the Bible says, verse 4, and when they looked up, they saw a stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a, a long white robe sitting on the right side, for they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, for he is risen. He is not here. See the place where the Lord lay. But go to his disciples and Peter, for he is going before them into Galilee. There you will see him as he said. And so they went quickly. What are you saying, Pastor Josh? I'm getting ready to go to Israel in a few weeks. And I've... I can't wait to go to the tomb of Jesus because there's still proof that we serve a risen Savior. Can somebody say amen? How many still believes He's resurrected with power and glory? How many still believes He sits on the right hand of the Father, makes intercession for the church? Hallelujah. So, so these women begin to run. They didn't anoint the body. They became preachers. Because the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit, had a woman by the name of Mary. And this woman decided that she was going to make a sacrifice. A sacrifice because she knew that she could do it. A sacrifice that even though it would cause her to be embarrassed and humiliated, she was following the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit organized and orchestrated these events in such a way that those women at the tomb, the Lord knew they didn't have time to anoint a body. The Lord knew that they could never get a stone pulled across. They, the Lord knew that. And that is why the Lord impressed a woman by the name of Mary to anoint His body while He was living because He knew those women could never do it at the tomb. What are you saying? The Lord empowers some people to do some things you can never do. Those women could never roll away the stone. Those women could never get to His body. They had the desire to do it. They wanted to do it. But the Lord knew they could never do it. And the Lord knew He would die on Passover and they wouldn't have time to anoint His body. So the Lord orchestrated the events where He caused this woman through the impression and prompting of the Holy Spirit to anoint His body for burial. And guess what? The woman didn't even know what she was doing. She thought she was worshiping the Lord. She thought she was glorifying. She didn't know what she was doing. And that is why the Lord says, listen, leave her alone. She don't know what she's doing, but what she's actually doing is anointing my body for burial. And every time you come to worship, it may seem like it's the same thing week after week. Every time you give, it may be the same thing week after week, but you don't know what is happening in the spirit world. You don't know what has actually happened in the spirit world. How can we sit there and not give what we can give? How can we sit there and not sacrifice and do all we can do? I know it seems like routine and it seems like the same thing week after week after week after week. And sometimes you don't even know what you're doing when you worship God. She did not know she was anointing His body for burial. 
Because sometimes when you sacrifice, you don't know the implications of your sacrifice. You don't know the implications of what that sacrifice will do. Because you're thinking with your head too much. I just, I just want to give a little bit because, you know, i got to save some. You know, i gotta, you know, I got to take care of the kids. i got to take care of this. i got to do this. You know, don't ask me to go to church any more than once a week. Don't ask me to give any more. Don't ask. We, we just, we, are you doing everything? Are you serving? Are you serving because you really want to, because you're doing it to him or are you doing it for him? What kind of heart is in there? Are you measuring your sacrifice week after week? Just a little bit. I know I can give all of it. I got to keep back some because I don't know what the rainy day is going to hold. When was the last time you made a sacrifice where it created a memory where you never forgot it? Because a true sacrifice is a sacrifice that will be remembered. Her sacrifice is remembered. Are you really sacrificing? If you can't remember it, it probably ain't costing you anything. It's interesting that John tells us she took her hair she wiped his feet and the Bible says in John 12 that the fragrance filled the house the fragrance filled the house isn't that interesting she took the oil poured it on Jesus then she takes her hair and wipes his feet. Then the fragrance fills the house. Whatever you pour on Jesus, it will come back on you. Can I say that again? She poured the oil on Jesus. Then she takes her hair and wipes his feet. In other words, the oil is in her hair. The oil is on her. The fragrance is filling the house. It stands to reason that whatever you pour on Jesus will come back on you. So you're not losing the sacrifice. It comes back on you.